This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Trateris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me today is my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, myself. I am once again solo dolo on this podcast. There's no John Malika. There's no Greg tonight as well. It's just me uh, being the only one giving you the update or updates, I should say, on what's happening with the New York Knicks. So, guys, there's a lot going on. Uh, so let's get into it. Cut the chase. So let's start off with the news with Kemba Walker because Kemba Walker, as we all know, uh, did not play last week against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, during warmups, he was, he was concerned that he had tweaked his knee and the Knicks to be, uh, on the safe side, they decided to pull him out, give him some rest for a couple of days, did some scans on him. Test came back negative. Everything is fine with his knee. We know that he has arthritis. So he's going to feel some, Pain from time to time, but it's going to feel uncomfortable, stuff along those lines. And he is fine. So I expect him to be back in the lineup at, at some time in the near future since nothing's wrong. It's all based on comfort for him. And when he's able to play, you saw him on the sidelines today when the Knicks were playing against the Indiana Pacers. So, and he looked, you know, once again, engaged with what was going on with the team, giving high fives and whatnot, sharing his teammates on. So I expect him to come back once he's ready to play within the next few days or so. Also big news, everyone is out of uh, health and safety protocols. We got Julius Randle who got out of it today and was able to play, uh, played over 30, 35 minutes today, coming his first day back from health and safety protocols. We had Mitch Jericho Sims available. Nerlens Noel came out, although Nerlens didn't play today. He was, uh, he was on, he came out with, uh, Randle today, but he was a late scratch, but didn't matter. Taj and more so Mitch, uh, they played really well today. And yeah, so everyone's out of health and safety protocols. Everyone's back on the team. You know, it, hopefully this is the last the Knicks will have to deal with it. Uh, we do know that COVID is still going on and rates are increasing during this, the, during the winter. So we'll see. Hopefully these guys stay safe and we can have them on the court. That way the Knicks can t- continue to make that playoff push, whether it's the, being in the top six or being in that seven to 10 range and making the play in and still making it into the playoffs if they win that game. So thankfully they're all back health, healthy. No, you know, Nerlens Noel was out for a little longer. He may have handled it. Uh, you know, he may have had a more severe case of COVID. So it may take him some time to get back in there as well. So, but like I said, thankfully all these guys are, are back on the team and these guys are trending in the right direction to get back on the court. Other news that we had, the Knicks were involved in a three-way deal with the Los Angeles Lakers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you know the Cavs were able to get Rajon Rondo. Uh, so let me start. Actually, let me let me pull this one back. Let me pull this one back and discuss what the what the deal was. The Knicks decided to get get in on this deal just to essentially get some money and nothing more than that. The three-team deal involved. Uh, the Lakers getting rights to Luis Labayer, which was 
one of the Knicks players that we acquired and a international player that we had rights to that wasn't on the roster. Cavs get Rajon Rondo, as I said, and the Knicks get, or they got Denzel Valentine, draft rights to Wing uh, Zeeland uh, and Brad Newley and cash considerations, which is $1.1 million. The Knicks then, the same day, which was uh, yesterday, on Monday, they decided to cut Dental Valentine. So all they have right now is the $1.1 million in cash considerations. Wang Zeeland and Brad Newley as the dra- as the stash players, um, international because they're international. So they're not, they're not going to take any roster positions. But if the Knicks do want to bring them over at some point in the future, they'd obviously have to just create roster, a roster spot and they could bring these guys over if they feel like they're going to be a good addition to the team. You know, just like uh, Rokas Yokobaitis, uh, that's essentially what this is. Essentially, what those guys are, and so that was the news uh, for the Knicks and what they were involved in. They, I think, the main thing was that they get one point one million in cash considerations. You know, it was just a deal for the Lakers uh, to get rid of the Denzel Valentine contract to free it up because his contract becomes fully guaranteed on January tenth. Same day as Wayne Selden, who they cut, they cut Wayne Selden to get Denzel Valentine and then cut Denzel Valentine. And now the player that it looks like they're trying to get is, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, and I wish my boy John Malika was here because he's usually better than this, at this than I am. Uh, Ryan Arcia Diacano. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm butchering it to the living, to the, to the 10th degree. But the Knicks were trying to get him on a 10-day contract, and it may have been him that they're trying to use for the last roster spot because, as we see, we're down point guards. We're down to Miles Deuce McBride, Emmanuel Quickly. Derrick Rose is still out for some time as his ankle heals up. Kemba Walker with his knee. Uh, you know, you don't know if he's always going to be available. So it looks like the Knicks are just trying to add point guard depth that way that you know, it's just just simple. That way, they're not out there without someone who can command the offense. And not saying that Ryan's going to be this uh, saving grace to now be the point guard that we've been looking for for all these years. But you just want to have depth, just uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Someone thing like Jared Jack was supposed to be, but Jared Jack then became uh, the starting point guard, even though that wasn't the real intention. So. That's all the news for the New York Knicks. Now to catch up on what happened today, we had the New York Knicks uh, play the Indiana Pacers. And guys, this was a wire-to-wire game, very electric. You have Julius Randle making his return after being on health and safety protocols. Same thing with Mitchell Robinson. Finally, we get a healthy team where we're not just struggling to get up points on the board because as we saw against the Oklahoma City Thunder and as we saw against the Toronto Raptors, this team, when it doesn't have Julius Randle or any of the other vets and you're just relying strictly on the young guys, it is very tough for them to be successful. These guys, as of right now, none of them are in that stratosphere. It's like John Morant, who is just killing it in this league right now. Not even on the, the same level as Jason Tatum. These guys are role players. They're, they are limited. They don't have the... They don't have the skill sets to make a major impact. And when we saw that, that, you know, no one was really commanding a double team like Julius Randle was or even Kemba Walker. No one was really able to take advantage of one-on-one matchups and knock down shots, even when they had open looks. And they got a lot of open looks from three. They weren't able to knock it down. And this team 
without those guys just didn't look confident to have a diverse offense. It was either three or driving it to the rack, and there was very little in between of finding a mid-range jumper, and you need that three-level of scoring to be an effective team. They just didn't have it, and it's fine. They're young. You know, I'm not... We shouldn't be expecting these young guys to come out here and kill it like straight from the get-go because once again, they are young. They are entering the league. They are rookies. You know, like anyone in their life, if you're starting something new or just taking to another level, a professional level, uh, even if you're starting a new job, right? It takes some time for you to get comfortable in that role, even though if you have that type of experience. So same thing applies for these guys. It will take time for them to be more comfortable and to see who they truly are as NBA players, they're still very raw. You still you still see the flaws, whether it's decision-making from IQ playing the point guard position, Deuce McBride when it comes to staying with his guy uh, 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 for team defense, not necessarily on ball, but just when he's off ball. And you see all these flaws just glaring when you have, when you're missing your veterans. So it was, it, it was rough to watch. Uh, especially that Raptors game. My goodness, that was tough. And I was even talking about that with Greg the other day. It was just so miserable, man. It was just really miserable. It, I really don't want to get into it because it was just such a bad game. Like you saw RJ trying to get to the rack and he was struggling because the Raptors do have a really good defense. Then you see Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam going out there. Alec Burks was, you know, trying to get something going, but he was in foul trouble. It could have been a lot worse. Terry, uh, uh, Gary uh, Gary Trent Jr. got in foul trouble as well, and he was out of the game quick. I think if he was in there, it would just been it was a blowout. It would have been a worse blowout. Like these, thankfully he did get into foul trouble. It was it looked the numbers don't don't give the indication that it was that bad, but it was that bad. But getting to this game now, thankfully uh, we have our veterans back. Thankfully, Julius Randle was able to come back today. And it's just been a wild week, two weeks on Twitter because we see, we know Julius Randle hasn't been playing well. We know this team overall hasn't been playing well. We know that there's a lot of issues with this team. And it's concerning, especially when you watch, when you've watched this team exceed expectations from last season, become that 41-win team, get the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, host the first round of the playoffs against the Atlanta uh, Atlanta Hawks, even though we lost and we won one game, it raised the bar. And so people came into the season with higher expectations. And with those raised expectations, people were expecting, you know, a one-year trajectory where it's like, okay, we won 41 games. Now let's go win 45 more games. Let's go back to being, you know, fourth. Maybe you take a drop to the fifth seed, but we're still a dominant team. You know, we still come out with the defense. Doesn't always work that way, especially when you tinker with the roster. And they didn't even tinker, tinker with the roster that much. You know, it's just replacing Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock. And it, well, I say that doesn't seem like that much, but in reality, I think Reggie Bullock was the bigger change than, uh, obviously Alfred Payton. I think if we have Reggie Bullock in this team, a true three and D guy, allow RJ Barrett to be that second, third option in the full with Kemba. This team's a lot different. And we saw something like that tonight without Kemba. And you have Alec Burks in there, but you see when you give RJ touches, uh, he's able to thrive. But getting back to what I was saying, this team just 
raise expectations and it's just been tough for everyone even myself as like i'm still a fan i try to come in here cool calm and collected to give a good analysis and not just be all heart uh there is going to be some heart i try to give it more of, of of logic as to what's going on but i'd be lying to say like it was enjoyable especially this past week when you see ugly basketball against the detroit pistons and minnesota Timberwolves, where you We'll get this team on paper and they're supposed to be beating this team, especially when it's the Timberwolves who are only, who only have Malik Beasley out there. And then you'll get the Detroit Pistons and it's really like a G League roster that they're running out. It's totally infuriating and totally justifiable to be angry and upset with this team when they should be knocking these type of teams out and not taking anyone lightly because the East has gotten much tougher. And since they, it's gotten much tougher, you have to compete on a night in a night out basis in order to, in order to make the playoffs, in order to stay competitive, in order to keep building on the success that you had last season. And that's where the frustration comes in. And what we've seen this entire season, even when you lose to the Orlando Magic and you have someone like Wendell Carter just going to town on Julius Randle and Julius Randle not taking advantage of being matched up against Wendell Carter or taking advantage of all the mismatches, that's where the frustration comes in. So it's totally understandable. But with that, you know, there has to be some level of expectation that progress isn't always linear. Like there will be bumps in the road. Some teams aren't going to go back to where they were the season before. And I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, right? When they went, when the Raptors won the championship that year, Bucks went to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost, but they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Following year, they get beat by the Miami Heat in the first round. Last year, they come back and they win it all. Now, one could say, well, you know, and they had Mike Boonholzer on the hot seat. But that's just an example for a team that's in playoff contention that it's not going to be the same every single year. You know, it gets more frustrating when you're like the Philadelphia 76ers and you keep getting to that same spot. And you're not pushing past it where they keep getting to the second round and they keep choking. But I'm not here to discuss that. You know, I'm just trying to set expectations to like how this team is going to look moving forward. And for this team, they may have exceeded. They Well, they definitely did exceed expectations and make it to the fourth seed. But this season, you know, at the beginning, I was thinking five, six. I think I said six seed because of all the teams that you had to consider who'd be better above them. If they get to a play-in, you know, it's not a lost season. It's still progress of showing comp- being competitive, creating a winning culture, all of those things, and getting opportunities. And it's still laying that foundation and groundwork, not only for the for the veterans on this team like Julius Randle, but it's also showing R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, all those guys, Jericho Sims, what it takes to be a winning team. Okay. It's very difficult to be a winning team and they have to know the work that goes into it to just see success. So, you know, we can look at the Sacramento Kings who, who are constantly, we go look at the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans who they haven't been doing so well either. You can look at the Houston Rockets who are, who are going through turmoil right now after the James Harden trade. And, I use the Kings more so as a better example because they've had consistent years of just underachieving. But just to show that, 
young teams without any true veterans and any true guidance, it's difficult to create a winning culture. It's just very difficult. And you, you can go back to the Brooklyn Nets when they had D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Jarrett Allen, Karis LeVert. Like it took Kenny Atkinson three years really to get that team up to snuff. And it takes time, but no one wants to see a losing product. And to have a winning product during a rebuild, and I'll get I'll, I'll get into more like what the Knicks are doing with their rebuild because I did touch on that on Knicks Fan TV. Um, we should want to see this team win. We shouldn't want to see this team lose because it's hard for players mentally to continue continuously lose and feel like they can stay with that within that same situation and build on top of it. All right, but I, I buried the lead long enough. Let's talk about this really good Indiana Pacers game, this Knicks defeating the Indiana Pacers today. Uh, but before I do that, guys, you know what time it is. Yeah, you all know. I got to take care of the bills around here. Got to do this live ad read, you know. It's been fun doing these live ad reads. I will say that. All right, guys. So you know the, you know the spiel. This podcast is partnered with Fansided, and Fansided is owned by Minute Media. And Minute Media also owns the Players Tribune, Derek Jeter's publication that he started, where you get to hear the storytelling of sports through the athlete's perspective. Well, the Players Tribune has launched its first ever mental health podcast called Blindsided. It's hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. This show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus of their lives. It allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges people face, you know, whether that's PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes, insecurity, just over or even just mental breakdowns in general. That's what this podcast gets into. And they've had guests such as Kevin Love, Paul Bisonette, and Kurt Warner come on the show to discuss how they overcame their mental health, some of these mental health issues, and how they continue to overcome it and work with it. Because it just, it just doesn't end right there sometimes. So guys, make sure to go over to the Players' Tribune. Check out Blindsided. Like I said, the first ever mental health podcast. Doing great work over there. All right. Now, let's get into this game because this game, like I said, was electric. It was wire to wire, a lot of fun, uh, especially if you're a Knicks fan and you get to see them defeat the Indiana Pacers, our long rivaled foes. The New York Knicks defeat the Pacers 104 to 94, like a true grudge match that we always have against the Pacers. The Pacers always give us a rough time, really going back to, you know, just the Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing eras, those 90s, that 90 Knicks Pacers matchups. That's, that's kind of what we get. This team, these teams are very similar once again, where they're both looking to figure out their identity. They're both looking to get back on track, both looking to string some wins to get into the top six or even a plan just to show some growth and development. And that's where we got right here. And for the Knicks, you know, they came out. We got, like I said, we got the starting lineup of Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, 
you, like I said, Randall and Mitch were back off of, and Jericho since were all back off of uh, health and safety protocols. So they were all available for this game today. But that starting five really carried most of the load today. Julius Randall, RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett just came out of the gate hot. Six for six. He was just torching the Pacers. Okay. RJ finished the game with 32 points. Julius Randall supplementing, uh, his, RJ's hot style of play today with 30 points as well. They both go from the field 12 out of 20. You have RJ, uh, hitting, going two for five, uh, from three. You have Randall going two for seven from three. Both of them hitting their free throws today. Both of them missed two shots. RJ went six for eight from the free throw line. Randall went four from six from the free throw line. But these guys were killing it today, giving you the offense and the defense and the playmaking that we all want these guys to do. This is the level of play we need from these two guys for the New York Knicks to take that next jump. We saw last season too, guys. We saw last season too when RJ and Randall are playing well. Sure, they both. this is the first time they both had 30-plus points in the same game which is what we need to see for this team to, like I said, to take the next step. But we've seen these two guys play well together last season, whether it was just RJ hitting threes, playing decent defense, finishing decently last season, not not great. He's finishing much better this season when he's getting into rhythm. And it, 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 you, just see, you just see that translation. Like I was saying, whether it was RJ playing three and D, predominantly three and D last season, and Randall being the catalyst, if RJ can be that guy where he can add to his game and do what he's doing, finish consistently at the rack, uh, being able to change gears, play solid defense, hit some threes, and get a mid range going, which he was getting his, he was getting his mid range jumper going today. If he can do all of that and help Randall, this team takes another step, and we need both of these guys, like I said, to take that next step. Randall came back off of health and safety protocols. You know, he was talking to Rebecca. Um, uh, today and saying like how he was able to clear his mind. Uh, Rebecca Harlow, that is uh, the sideline reporter for the New York Knicks. He was saying how it cleared his mind being away from the game. Hopefully that's the case because you know we we did hear him say that he found the joy back in the game when the Knicks defeated the Atlanta Hawks on Christmas Day and you had Kemba who went for a triple double. But hopefully this is here to stay because we we need these two guys. But going down the list. We also got Alec Burks, who was giving us some Michael Jordan-esque. You had to see it in the fourth quarter. He, get, he had the slight push-off, stopped on a dime, hit that el- right elbow jumper uh, mid-range, and, and drained it. Uh, Burks was in his bag today. Taj gave you a little bit of work. He was getting he was getting burned by uh, Miles Turner today. Not really a good matchup, but I understand why Tiz wanted to go with it. You know, you're bringing Matt, Mitch back in from uh, health and safety protocols. You could say, hey, Want to work him back in since he's been out for a little bit. Also, Mitch hasn't been great against uh, centers who are three-point threats. So maybe having him come off the bench when Turner was out and then giving him that capability to still be energized to guard Turner down the stretch, that seemed like to be the plan today for having Mitchell Robinson come off the bench today. And it worked because Mitch was killing it today. He had eight points, went four for five from the field. He didn't really, uh, you know, he had a, he, he did well on the boards. He got eight rebounds. Nothing too crazy like we've seen him go uh, in double digits, but he was good on the offensive glass and putbacks, good on the defensive on the defensive boards as well, snatching clutch defensive rebounds. Um, Mitch was good, and he was also, once again, altering those shots. That is the whole point of Mitchell Robinson, to protect the paint, and we were missing that too when against the Toronto Raptors. So he came out here, was altering shots, giving some solid defense, and... 
Yeah, and then we also had some good minutes from uh, Quentin Grimes giving you solid defense as well. Manuel quickly was good today. You know, you can look at the stat sheet, see that he got a plus 12. Manuel quickly has really improved floor game-wise. And I say that when floor game means like playmaking, passing, playing defense, hustle, like that's all there. That is all there. You know, he went four for four from the free throw line as well. He got you 11 points. His overall shooting, though, it's been struggling. And I wrote, I wrote about this for Hoops Habit when I was writing over there. Quickly came out of the, came out of college being a streaky shooter where there will be five games in a row that he's just ice cold. And then there'll be another five games after that where he's just nuclear. And that type of inconsistency is, you know, players can overcome that. It, it just takes work and quickly still developing his game. But it takes time to overcome that. The thing about that is that if he's going to be so inconsistent, yes, you have to respect his three-point shot because you never know when it's going to start raining, but it's hard to put him into a starting rotation when he doesn't offer a lot of downhill attacking, which is what Tibbs wants from his point guard. And when Kemba's here, Kemba's been doing that when he was on the hot streak. So it's very hard to put quickly into that starting rotation. Granted, he should have done, granted, Tibbs should have done that to make it more comfortable for Obi Toppin since they do have a connection, but it's hard to rely on quickly as a starting point guard. Um, if he's not giving you that type of play, that's why he, co- he works so well off the bench. He can play against lesser guys. He can get his shots going. You can pair him with, uh, Deuce McBride, who's, who's slightly better at going downhill. But that's the reason why you see him coming off the bench. And then you had Obi Toppin, who got very little minutes today. I wish he was able to get more, but Randall was had it going, so I totally understand that. And then McBride got very little minutes today. Understand that, too, because you have Burks, who was actually playing pretty effectively at the point guard position. So I totally get that. And the Knicks needed to get a win after two losses and needed to get back on track. They couldn't afford to really lose this game because this week, uh, when I get into it later, this is a week for them to really get back on point. And if you notice, as I'm talking about everybody, there's one person that I didn't mention that actually contributed today. And that's because he didn't. Funny enough, he was able to switch the stat line around, and that is one Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier went had 20 points against the Toronto Raptors, empty 20 points, and had no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, no nothing. This game, he decides to put up a goose egg, uh, and points and gets you one rebound, two assists, and one steal. Gave you a little bit of something, but not enough. And honestly, the Evan Fournier experience, uh, has to come to an end. It, it, or I should, I should say it should come to an end. I'm not in the front office. I can't make that decision, but it should come into an end. But before I get into that, uh, let me finish up this game about the Pacers. Guys. Watching this game, I, I key things I got to discuss from this game. Randall loves matching up against DeMontis Sabonis. I do not know what Sabonis did to Randall. I, I, it must have been talks of him should, should arguably be over Randall for being an all-star. Maybe that's it from last season, but I have no idea what Sabonis has done to Randall or what he said to Randall or what beef they have because every single time they play against each other, 
Randall just sees blood. Like he really just wants to go at some. I really want, I really want to know what it is against DeMontis Sabonis that Randall looks at him and he's like, I got to beat the living crap out of you every single time I see you. Cause that is the, that is the mentality this man has. And that is probably why he came back. He was energized, ready to go, dropped 30 points. And I was like, yeah, remember who's the true all star around here? Granted, Sabonis got the last, got the last laugh last game. But now the Knicks are, is this the last matchup? This might have been the last matchup of the season for uh, for the Knicks and the Pacers. And if so, they tied at two and two. Yeah, I think this is. This is the last one. This is the last one. Yeah, guys, this is the last matchup between the, the Knicks and the Pacers. And they, they end the season uh, being two and two. But once again, like I said, Julius Randle just has a thing for against the Montes bonus. I find it entertaining. I wish he, I wish Randall had uh, this type of anger towards everybody because I would love to see what he would do on a nightly basis if he was just angry at the entire NBA. And he should be because I feel like he gets disrespect. He, well, he gets properly guarded, but I feel like he gets uh, some slight and not a lot of recognition, especially when you watch last season's uh, NBA All Star. They rarely passed him. And I think that should be burning in his brain and wanting to be like, uh, I deserve my respect. But anyway, it's just funny that the, that he goes at it like that. Another thing, another key takeaway uh, that I wanted to take away from this game is that Knicks be, winning this, they're now 18 and 20. They're two games out of being uh, 500. But they're also, these guys are a half a game out of being in the 10th spot being in the play-in and they are three games out being in the six, which is owned by the Cleveland Cavaliers or 21 and 17 guys. This is, this is what I'm saying. Like this, this stretch, this stretch right here is very, very interesting for the New York Knicks, this upcoming slate of games. And I'll get into like my takes for the, the upcoming, but the, the Knicks right now, you know, they really need to go they really need to go on a winning streak and, or not even like a, like a, they have to win a lot of games. That, how about I put it that way? They don't need to go on a massive winning streak, although it would be nice, but they need to start winning some games because it is getting tight out here, uh, against the, in the Eastern Conference. If the Knicks fall too far back, uh, this could be a loss season. So they have to make sure that they're taking advantage of all of these, White games that they have these winnable games. So you know, up next you have two games against the Boston Celtics, one at MSG, one at TD Garden. Then they get the San Antonio Spurs, they get the Dallas Mavericks, they get the Atlanta Hawks, Charlotte Hornets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Norman Pelicans. You know, though that stretch right there, those uh, eight games, eight to nine games, they need to come out. They need to come out winners. Like they need to, they need to win like six, in my opinion. They need to win six of those games because that will put them in position to take on the the grueling West Coast trip that is coming up in February, where they have to face, you know, they'll have to face. No, it's not a full West Coast trip, but they'll they'll start off with uh, a rematch against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, at home, but then they're going out to the West Coast where they have to face the Lakers, which is a winnable game. The Lakers are trash, but they get the Utah Jazz, who's a good team. Denver, 
we just have a t- difficult time taking on Denver. I expect that to be a loss. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, who is looking ready to make another title run. Portland Trailblazers, they can go off. So that gauntlet right there in February, like it's it's going to be difficult for, for the Knicks if they can keep up this inconsistent style of play because these teams, even though they're struggling out on the West Coast, these are teams that can easily that I have more faith in that them winning than the Knicks. Just because even though they've been inconsistent, they have players that are top echelon of play, right? We go look at the Lakers. Like they have LeBron James. If Anthony Davis comes back then, that's tough. That that is tough to match up. Even though we competed well with them last season, having to go against LeBron and A D full like that is a tough matchup. Then you talk about Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz, who just plays great team basketball. Very difficult. Uh, Denver Nuggets, Jokic, they're expecting uh, Jamal Murray could be back in February. If they're both back, good ward, man. That is just a dynamic duo that, that has a lot of offensive firepower. That's very hard to stop. Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson is going to be back. You can just chalk that one up as an L. You're going to have the, 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 the gang back all together. No, uh, rich getting richer at that point. Trailblazers, they've been down this season. That's a team that we could beat. But Dame Willard, CJ McComb, those are guys that can go off. And we only the only person that we have right now that we can that that should be relied on who hasn't been consistent is Julius Randle. And essentially, where I want to go with this game, guys, is that it's. When you look at the schedule ahead, the Knicks need to, like I said, they need to take care of this upcoming eight to nine uh, games because it will just set them up to be better and it will help them get into rhythm to take on these challenging teams when it when they when the when that part of the schedule comes up. All right. Another thing I want to get into is that even though with this electric win, it, it's really like I talked about, like setting expectations. And it comes back to expectations once again with what are we going to get moving forward? Because we see RJ and, and Randall go at it and they just, they played really well today. Like this team played well today. But which team are we getting the next day? They haven't really, outside of the five and one beginning of the season, they really haven't strung together consistent games of solid play where you're like, all right. I know what I'm getting here. We, we can win these games. We, we could be in this one. They haven't done that. And even though I'm, I'm excited and I'm, this was an electric win and I, and I love it. You know, essentially Randall coming back and everyone just, you have Randall and RJ just putting in great performances. Like, how can you not be hyped? I just don't know what I'm, I just don't know what we're getting the next game. And it's, that's concerning. Like that is the concerning part of this. And since we don't know what we're getting the next game, this is where you have to set expectations and you're like, ah, oh, could we potentially like is are we gonna get a good performance? Are we gonna get a bad performance? And I say this too just so that we can stop the whole uh you know, well, Randall's trash or RJ's trash, because everyone's just ready to blame somebody for why the season's going haywire, where there's a lot of issues for this team. We can go that Randall hasn't played up to the level of play that we should have had from him. RJ hasn't fully been playing up to the level of play that we've had from him. 
Evan Fournier hasn't played to the level of play with his contract that he's been given. Kemba Walker has been a slight disappointment because of his knee and just having a rough start. Who knows? These guys can all turn around, but all of this, all of the stuff that I'm weighing, Thibodeau's rotations have been questionable and they've been underwhelming. You have the young kids where they're just going through the, the normal progression of developing where you're not getting the constant parade of threes or, or that you would get from Emmanuel quickly. Sure, you've seen Obi Toppin take that next step, but when you put him out there in a starting rotation to be that guy, that creator for him, for this team, he just can't do it. There's a lot of issues. You know, we don't even have Derrick Rose right now. There's so much going on for this team. So much going on for this team. And it's tough. And when you don't have your, especially when you don't have your top player, and this is why Julius gets a lot of the heat. When you don't have your top player playing well, it's hard to know what you're going to get on a night to night basis. And that's what I'm saying, temper. And that's, I guess, where I'm coming to to say, temper expectations for this team. Like, really, really temper expectations for this team after an electric win. Uh, going to the next one against the Celtics, which is on Thursday. We don't know what we're going to get. Hopefully they come out and give you, give us another good performance, but nothing's guaranteed. So enjoy these wins. Uh, cause they're fun. I'll, we should, we obviously love seeing our team win. It's an electric feeling, but don't be surprised if this team goes back and starts to struggle. I'm getting you already because we've seen it happen already. We've seen it happen already. Next thing I want to get up is this Evan Fournier. It's Evan Fournier nonsense, man. I, I, talk, I talked about it because I talked about it last week on the last Knicks pod because we brought it up uh, because Knicks fan, on Knicks Fan TV, CP, JD, and myself were discussing, you know, we trade two, JD and I were on the same camp where we'd sit, trade two second rounders for Evan Fournier. Um, and CP was saying, you hold on because you can get more value for him. I am not seeing that. Fournier is not a fit for this team. He's not helping this team. It is. It, he's not giving you defense. He was supposed to come here, give you some shot creation, some playmaking, and some uh, some some team defense. We're not getting team defense. We're getting very little playmaking. We're not getting shot creation. We're not even getting a three point specialist. His numbers will probably be there. I'm not going to lie, because they've just it just will because he'll have games where he just goes off. But it'll be so inconsistent. And for a veteran, like, yeah, I get it. He's a role player. He's a role player. I'm not expecting him to be like this uh marks like this. I guess well, you do have you do have uh players that can be marksmen. But for Evan Fournier, there has to be some baseline consistency that I know I'm gonna get from him on a night to night basis, whether it's playmaking, whether it's team defense, some knockdown shots. We're not even getting any of that. You can't give a goose egg, man. You cannot give a goose egg and and get paid the amount that you're paying. Now, this doesn't mean that he still has, he, it's a bad contract because guys like Eric Bledsoe get traded like there's no tomorrow, and he is, in my opinion, not the best contract when he got extended by the Milwaukee Bucks. But yet somehow he finds up he finds himself on another team, whether it be the New Orleans Pelicans, whether it be now the L.A. Clippers. He just keeps getting moved around, even though he is not that big of a contributor. And I feel the same way for Evan Fournier. And the argument for Evan Fournier is that he just doesn't fit on this team. You know, he's not going to have that chemistry that we wanted him to have with Reggie Bullock. Just not happening. It should be more so with RJ, honestly. RJ should be that guy. So for Fournier, if you're trying to sell it to a team, be like, look, he just doesn't fit here. It was a bad signing, but we see his numbers from what he did in Orlando. 
he could possibly go help another team. Maybe someone like the Denver Nuggets who needs people. Maybe. Although they're in a cap hell right now, so I don't know if they really want to take him on. But that would be like a situation you could say, hey, maybe you need an Evan Fournier on your team. You need another guy who can help and you know be like, Second option, come off the bench, you know, third option in the starting lineup, and you don't really have to rely on him that much because you have Nikola Jokic. Uh, you know, you could potentially say, you know, we don't have Michael Porter Jr. Aaron Gar- Aaron Gordon's not necessarily that guy that can always generate offense for you. So why not have Evan Fournier in here be that third, fourth guy between on and off, depending if him and Aaron Gordon go on, and if you get Jamal Murray back. So that's my thought process there. And the, and the business case for moving Fournier, and they should do it sooner rather than later, is two reasons. One, you get R.J. Barrett more touches. You saw what we, R.J. was able to do today when he got more touches. Evan Fournier in the lineup only takes away touches from R.J. Barrett. We're talking about a guy who's had a high usage rate when he was on the Orlando Magic, and that's for him to get going. And we saw that, once again, when R.J. was out against the Boston Celtics, he needs a lot of touches. And quite honestly, I don't find Evan Fournier to be that effective in giving him most of the touches. It's not the guy we need to develop. We need RJ to develop. And we saw what RJ could do. So give him those touches. Move Fournier. Give him the touches. The other reason you move Fournier is because you get Quentin Grimes some good minutes. Quentin Grimes gives you better defense than this guy. And that lineup, that youth lineup that we saw today with with, uh, Deuce McBride, Manual quickly, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson. I like that. Youth guys ready to run, push, and they're athletic, high flying. Do it. Like, just that is what we should be seeing. Evan Fournier doesn't offer anything to this team. He needs to be traded. I hope the front office is looking at this and, like, look, we got to move this guy. If you got to put an asset to him to move him, a second rounder, so be it. Because this guy. Not cutting it. And it's nothing against Evan Fournier. He just doesn't fit here. He just does not fit here. You have to move him. Keeping him here to hopefully throw him into a future trade. On, like I would get that if he was a little bit more consistent. He's not even consistent at this point where you're like, okay, I can see it coming. Because it's just going to be like, all right, we have this good five-game stretch from him. Then we go back to this, uh, this stretch right now, which is just terrible. And we keep flip-flopping back and forth of what we're going to get with Evan Fournier. And he keeps taking touches away from guys that should be getting better touches. Like when Kemba comes back, I want to see him. Kem- like I want, like I just want to see Kemba, RJ, Randall, those guys go at it. And it, what you really need is probably Quentin Grimes in there, a guy who doesn't need that many touches. Honestly, that way you can figure this whole thing out. And then we can discuss Deuce McBride later. Deuce is still learning some stuff too. I, I do like what I see in Deuce McBride. He's still very raw. I think he can offer you something when you're missing Derrick Rose. You can have him quickly, Burks, Toppin, and uh, whatever center in that lineup. But guys, like Fournier needs to go. And I think as a as Nick, I think Nick's nation can come together and agree. Like you can you can argue whether you like ran on this team or not. You can argue whether RJ's good on this team or not. You can argue whether Tibbs is good for this team or not. I think the one thing that we can all come together on and say, M48 has to go to a different team. He just does not fit here. He can go to another team and be successful somewhere else. Get him out, out of here. He just needs to go. If we can get a second rounder for this man, do it. Honestly, at this point, the value just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. Yo, 
hopefully, uh, I, I can't remember who said this, uh, who tweeted me at this. They said Fournier has a uh, red in his eyes when he plays against the Celtics. If that's the case, yo, after the Celtics game, move this man. Like seriously, move this man, move this man after the two games we got against the Celtics, raise that stock value, get the two second rounders called a day, bring up these other kids. Because what is the reality that we got going on here? The reality is that we're not making a championship run. It's about winning championships in this league. In any sports league, it's about winning championships and maintaining competitiveness to be a championship team. You also got to develop talent in doing that. So why not maintain trying to be competitive, develop your youth that you have in R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride. And you know you're not winning a championship anyway this year, this year anyway if you're the New York Knicks. So why are we holding on to this guy? Just move him already. Like, he needs to go. Like, I wrote about how he needs to go. Dude, dope that you went on Knicks Fan TV, uh, wanted to talk to the fans, answer questions, and so forth. Thank you. For, thank you for your for your short time here. You got to go. Time's up. All right. All right, all right, all right. Last thing I'll touch on before I, I do this late. I mentioned on Knicks Fan TV uh, the other day where this this front office is hedging their bets. This front office is hedging their bets. You know, everyone's saying like, not everyone, but we, we have, we have, we have parts of the fan base where they want to move off of Randall. And I get that. They want the youth movement. Some are saying tanking. I disagree with that whatsoever. Tanking does not make any sense unless you're in a position like the Warriors, Raptors. We've had some good success. You rest your guys for one season. You, you go add top talent to that good talent that you have, and you go back to being competitive. We are not that. So that's where I say it doesn't make sense to take. Um, however, in this sense, what I was saying is that this front office is hedging their bets. I don't think they initially wanted to hedge this. I think they wanted to go with youth because when you draft Obi Toppin, I think they were ready to move Julius Randle. Sure, we can go back to what Woj's, uh, that Woj podcast with Randle and what or whether it was uh, it was JJ Reddick's podcast, and he had that sit down dinner. I think it was a, it was a Welsh podcast where they had the sit down dinner with it was Worldwide West, Leon Rose, Alfred Payton, and Julius Randall having dinner, and they're asking like Randall, what do you need? And it's like I need a coach that'll hold me accountable. You know X Y Z, this that and the third, and they did that, and you could say it was for him. I don't necessarily think so. I don't know why you draft Obi Toppin, but they did that. And now with Randall's play last season, you had to reward him just to show around the league and him himself. Like it's only just doing good business to reward a guy who was second and uh, second team All NBA, most improved, made an NBA All Star, took you from an irrelevant team to a relevant team, got you forty one wins, fourth fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. You were able to host a playoff. You got one win. You know, he, he just did a lot for this team, was legit the engine for this team last season. You had to reward him, took a discount, uh, which is now not looking like a discount, which actually looks like the right price for him. Um, and, you know, that was the cost of doing business. And with that now, I think the Knicks are like, well, we have to reward him. So how do we build around him while maintaining cap flexibility, while maintaining the youth? Still trying to be competitive, still developing our own crop of young players and trying to compete and win within this time with whatever window they have. You know, Leon Rose has a six year contract. 
so they have theoretically six years to be competitive, very competitive. And then they don't even have to win a championship. They just have to be really competitive. That way they can just all stick around. So you think that you have six years. This front office, in my opinion, is like, all right, so we'll, 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 we'll do this Kemba thing. We'll do the Evan Fournier thing. We'll bring back the guys that were successful. Also doing good business. When you bring back Nerlens Noel, you can argue about that contract. Just once again, doing good business. He was the anchor of the defense. Top four, top four in the NBA last season, defensive net rating. Like you got to reward that, especially when it comes to a guy who was, who was averaging like two blocks a game. Sure. He wasn't a good rebounder, but he really did anchor that defense. So you got to reward him. Reward Alec Burks for being that good bench player. Derek Rose reward him for being another good bench player. You get all these guys you rewarded. So it's just good business practice and it kept continuity with this team. You add Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier saying, Hey, let's try to take this offense up because we saw it wasn't really good last season, especially when we got to the playoffs. It was Randall out on island. We can't rely on Derek Rose. We need somebody else. We need other guys in here who are going to develop. And we don't, we can't trust that. You can't trust that your young guys are going to take that next step. So that's why you also add these guys because you are not, you can't be so crazy that you're like, Oh, well, if RJ took this leap, he's going to take another leap and then we don't even need them. So let's just bank on this guy. It doesn't necessarily work like that. And I get why uh, you bring in veterans like an Evan Fournier because you're, you're once again hedging your bets. You're, you're saying like, okay, we believe in uh, RJ, but we don't know if it's going to happen this season. So why don't we get some insurance in case it doesn't because we still need to be competitive. And you can't have your third-year player being so limited and trying to stay competitive. And the same thing with the bench and same thing with the youth. You know, you draft Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims. You know, you could look at them. Tibbs isn't getting a full look at them until they get into practice. And, you know, that doesn't happen happen really until summer league. He gets he gets a short glimpse. He doesn't really get a glimpse until like September, October, once the season is about to start. So, you know, you make all these signings in anticipation saying these young guys are not ready. But if the young guys are ready, that's when you go like, okay, we can move from this guy like an Evan Fournier because you actually do have the bench pieces that you need. So you have the Knicks who are hedging their bets by drafting young players who are showing that they're capable of providing some meaningful minutes. They're not complete projects. They're not complete uh, players yet, but they can offer you a skill set that is useful right now in the NBA and for this team that's needed, whether it's three-point shooting or just intense defense. And then you look at the veterans where you're like, all right, let's try to be competitive now. Let's try to go back into it. And they don't really know which way they want to go because they're not looking to trade all their assets and they're not looking to, um, they're not looking to uh, just go full youth movement either. So they're, they're, they're saying, you know, the way that it's looking right now, it's like, we'll wait for the right deal. You know, if you can get someone like a Darren Fox on a cheap, Maybe we'll make that deal. And then we can say, you know, we can trade, you know, an IQ or an OB Toppin and some draft picks because we can still keep most of the youth and still go up another level. You know, trading for like Miles Turner, that makes sense where it's like, you don't have to give up that much assets for Miles Turner. He's about to be a free agent. So the, the longer they wait to move him, his value just keeps dropping. So this, this front office is just really hedging their bets. They're like, if we can go, if we can be work around Julius, let's work around Julius. If not, you know, and if you see someone like Obi Toppin, just take that next level 
probably like, look, we can move Obi Toppin and we still have a competitive team and they're young. And they're young. And it answers some contract questions as well. So that's what I think about this team. And that's what I think about this front office is really doing. I just want to talk it out a little bit more, especially for our listeners. All right. I've been talking for quite a while. Quite, quite a while. I'm very impressed I've been talking for this long. I had a lot to get off my chest. All right, guys. So let's go down the slate and wrap it up. So we just defeated the Indiana Pacers, like I said, 104 to 94. The next time uh, we will be back on here uh, will be next. Actually, I don't know because Jet season's over after this, so we'll, we'll work on when we're going to come back, back back on. But if we're talking about until next Wednesday, we got the Celtics twice and the Spurs uh, before uh, we get to the Dallas game. But I'll cover the Dallas game as well. Why not? So we'll play the Celtics, another struggling team. Got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. who are leading that way. They don't really have an identity. They don't know if they want to be an off. They're trying to be. I think they're trying to be an offensive team. I think uh, Udoka is trying to have them as a defensive team because that's what Brad Stevens was, even though he's still in there. Uh, you could say still is because he's still around. Uh, but they haven't really found their identity. And I think the Knicks will get their revenge at home and then they'll lose to them here in Boston because that just seems to be the recipe for how this team goes. After that, you get the San Antonio Spurs. Knicks will be home against the Spurs. I think the Knicks will beat the Spurs. So the Knicks will be 2-1. and one. Now, this is the tough one. Dallas will be home against the Mavs. And the Mavs are playing pretty well. The Mavs are playing pretty well. Uh, Luka Doncic will be back. You know, they're 19-8. and eight. They're not great, but they're starting, to, they're starting to rack up some wins and play well. I think this is going to be a loss, guys. Something tells us to me about being a loss. I do think when they play them again down in Dallas, it will be a win for the Knicks because it will be Julius Randle's hometown and he wants to ball out. But I think this one will be a loss. So the Knicks will go. They'll go two and two. Two and two on the week. They'll have gone two and two on the week. And that's my prediction. All right, guys. Those are my predictions. Covered a lot today. Thank you for all tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. You know what to do. If you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star review and to leave a comment. If you don't listen to us there, it's okay. We're on Google Play, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We're all over the place. On top of that, we're also on YouTube. Check out the YouTube channel, Knicks, Jets, etc. Make sure to subscribe. When you watch a video, hit that like button. And make sure to hit that notification bell so you know when a new episode drops. Also, while you're over there, we got Winning Picks Weekly. Video producer Greg and John go down the NFL slate. They're going to go down this last week uh, and give you their takes on which games to bet. They've been doing a phenomenal job. And after the NFL season's done, they'll go get, they're going to get into the NBA season. So stay tuned for that. Last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All right, guys. I'll catch you later. Thank you all for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Catch you later this week for the last Jets preview where the Jets take on the Buffalo Bills to wrap up the 
2021-2022 season of the New York Jets. All right, everyone. Catch you later. As my boy would say, let's go Knicks.